What's up, humans? Welcome back to The Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke Rain, and this is episode 60, Fundamental Skills for Music Producers. So, what are the fundamental skills that every music producer needs to know, regardless of the genre they produce? Well, that's the question we got from listener Slapsilla, and that's what we're diving into today. We covered leveling, EQ, getting the most out of your existing elements, identifying the main characters in your song, not wasting sections, and killing your babies. Sounds fun, right? Please check the links below to support our sponsors. You're supporting them, you're supporting us. First up, Dojo TV, free producer live stream classes from the producer Dojo Senseis, and we record this podcast there every other week. So come check us out, hang out, and uh, get to know the senseis over at Producer Dojo. Next up, the sensei of all the senseis does the weekly download. That's right, Ill Gates has private weekly group lessons and you can get access to the live ones and over 230 more episodes in the archive for just 20 bucks a month. Finally, guest practices where you can learn from Seth Drake at the Approach Institute. He is the best engineer we know and the first class is free. Some very high level engineering skills to be learned over there. Uh, the song you're listening to behind me is Something Wrong by Tesco off his Something Wrong EP that charted number one on Beatport. All right, make sure you support those sponsors and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. All right, humans, welcome back hey. to the woo. Human Music Podcast, where we Yo. say, woo, woo, see, told you, <laughs> you heard it in the intro, you heard it here a few times, woo, is the name of the game on the Human Music Podcast, THMP for all y'all who are TLDR. Yeah, but, we're going to uh, be wooing for the next hour, so strap Yeah, on. this is the woo episode, where we woo. just say, woo. Yeah, man. Strap on, strap in, strap, <laughs> strap up. I hope you've got a gun. And let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. We're <laughs> off the rails already. We know this one's going to be good. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But what we're actually doing today is we are ask, answering a question that one of our YouTube uh, viewers asked us. Shouts to Slap Scylla, who, uh, who asked a really good question. What are the core fundamental aspects of music production that everyone should put into practice, regardless of genre or amount of experience? And this is super key, I feel, because, you know, if you're making dubstep, there are some very specific things you got to know that do not apply to R&B. And if you're making country, there are some things that do not apply to house music. But there are some things that underlie all the different genres that might branch off in any direction that are just important to know if you're dealing with sound and audio and DAWs and just the basic building blocks of music. And we're going to ramble our way through the next 45 minutes and figure out what all that is for you awesome humans. Woo! Woo! woo. <laughs> See? Told you. We woo here. Sick. Uh, do you want to kick this one off, Luke? Man, uh, sure. I think that 
you know, I, I, I was, was on my mind when I first read this question was something that's actually come up over uh, a couple of our recent episodes is just really focusing on the absolute fundamentals of leveling and EQ because it does not matter at all what kind of music you make. It doesn't matter what tools you have. Any DAW in the world definitely has leveling and it's going to have EQ. I think, I mean, I, I've never used like some of the free, you know, cheapest whatever DAWs in the world, but I bet they have an EQ. And if that's all you got, please use it. <laughs> please use some EQ on your tracks. Please. But, you know, goes back to what Hexus was saying a few weeks ago. And if anybody missed that episode, definitely go check that one out. He drops tons of gems. One of them being how important it is to be able to do most of the lifting of any mix in any genre with just leveling and EQ. Because if your leveling and EQ are coming correct, you're 90% of the way there. And if they're not correct, does not matter how many fancy tools you pile on top of it, you're not going to get a good mix ever if your leveling and your EQ balances are off on your tracks. I mean, if you drop the mic, episode over, fucking <laughs> four minutes deep, that's all we got, you Sick. know. <laughs> you can't uh, overstate the importance of leveling. It's true. It's like one of the simplest things. But so, so for me, like the, the breakthrough that I had with leveling, because it's funny because I actually had I read a, a Reddit AMA from uh, one of the foremost goats of my impressionable uh, electronic music early days, Porter Robinson. Um, and he basically said 80 percent of a good mix is just in the volume faders. And I was like, what? Like I've been learning about multiband compression, all this complicated shit. Like what? That's no way. And so, like, that was that was an epiphany for me at at the time. And I tried to apply that knowledge, but I just didn't really, I just didn't really get it. Um, it's one of those things where it's not like it's more about making the unimportant sounds way quieter than you think, than like turning everything up to where you can hear it like the the big breakthrough for me was like Cheers. there's a lot of shit that doesn't need to be that loud it just it's more about turning stuff down than it is turning stuff up and to find the right level normally it's about getting the most important thing like like loud and in your face and then figuring out how quiet you can make everything else to still have the relative impact that it needs. You know, Amen. I'm so glad you said that because yeah, everybody I think is working with really limited dynamic range and it's like trying to put a 20 piece band on like a two foot by two foot stage. And it just looks like <laughs> comical, like a cartoon. And uh, you know, what you're trying to do to get a fully articulate mix really is to create that sense of 3Dness that, that we experience in our day-to-day -day lives that, that we utilize for, you know, did utilize for survival uh, to a much greater extent before. But now- Hey, I need to know how far away that garbage truck is barreling down the street. Yes. <laughs> you know, if it's, if it's not as loud as the bird in the tree, I probably got enough time to cross the street. I could also look, but come on, that's cheating. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, 
So I think, uh, you know, when you hop into the DAW, um, it's, it's easy to make things sound very 2D and there's not that like sense of space. And it's the relationships between the elements that, that create that sort of 3D-ness that you're used to. And, and typically you'll find like when stuff sounds really cheap or flat or amateur, it just doesn't have enough of that like forward, backward sense of depth. And they can't unlock like one full dimension of that mix cube. So yeah, like if you don't have anything at minus 30 or minus 40 in your mix, it's probably where you want to start first. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. So like having, having put all that out there, how important leveling is, let's discuss like what your actual like process and order of operations are for leveling. When you start like, okay, I wrote the track, I've composed the pieces, it's arranged. Now I'm going to dive into the mixing portion here. Where do you guys start? Do you like to start with all the sounds on and start moving them around? Do you mute everything and start turning things back on one by one? What, what's your guys' approach? Yeah, so for me, really, it's like when I'm, when I'm mixing as I go, when I'm making the track, it's a lot of just like if something sticks out to me, I'll turn it down a dB and I'll keep working. And if like, it's just, it's a lot of that finding that right volume for things is, is a lot of just like, as I'm working, like, you know, that seems a little too loud and I'll just turn that down one dB. I won't like try and find the right level for it at that time. I'll just like that sticks out, turn it a little down. You know, this is my main element. Isn't quite like as loud as it needs to be. Turn that up a dB. That's actually a little bit too much turn, you know, back it down. So I only turned it up half a dB and just like, micro adjusting as i go until i get to like the mix down stage and then i have like a good rough like level for everything and then that's where i start and the real process the real nuts and bolts which is kick and snare just just listen to the kick and snare uh render them down to audio and make sure because you're not side chaining the kick to the snare or the snare to the kick ever or at least i haven't heard of anyone doing that unless you're doing like four on the floor then you might but maybe just a little bit but you're probably still not doing that regardless render them to audio and make sure that your snare tail cuts off when the kick hits and then same with the kick if it's like a, a longer kick or if you have an accent kick or something make sure the end of that cuts off before when the actual kick hits it's more of a little nitty-gritty detail but it's important because i think it's something a lot of people overlook um in your kick and snare because if you want them to be maximum volume you don't want there to be any overlap right so some that part yeah, that part. That's actually something. Shouts to Levitate, super dope, super mm, dope yes. uh, producer, who uh, actually was the first person to ever tell me that. And like before, I'd even joined the dojo and heard about the concept of of uh, checkerboarding from Ill Gates. I was like, "Yo, man, how do you get your mixes like so loud? Everything slaps so hard. Is it like are you layering things? It's is you, are you using a better limiter?" And he's like, "Oh, high key. It's just just the fact that I only have one sound at a time." in my drop like if the kick's hitting everything else is side chained out of the way and then the kick stops and the sub and like one sound sitting on top of the sub that don't frequency clash at all 
is the only thing happening, so it can be loud as fuck. And then the snare hits and sidechains everything out of the way, so it's the only thing playing, so it's loud as fuck. And then a new sound comes in after the snare, and it's the only thing playing on the sub. And then it, each of these can be at zero decibels. Mm-hmm. It can hit the ceiling just by itself, and then it's not all these other sounds that are taking up the dynamic range when my loud, you know, important instruments are playing. Yeah, 100%. So kick snare, get those like nice and crispy, make sure the transients are popping, make sure that like um the the frequency response of both is is similar or at least they feel like they um are coming from the same drum kit. Or or at the very least sound good together, right? That's I mean that's the main thing. Like do they sound good together relative relative volume and power yeah, exactly relative volume power frequency response um and then once and that's you've got the... different for every genre too pardon exactly pardon for the cutoff a hundred percent different for every genre but the the thread between every genre is it should feel like they belong in the same drum kit right it, it should feel like they're 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 part of the same ethos of the song right once you've got that then i'll turn the sub on and make sure that the kick snare and sub by themselves are, are, are kicking that the sub is the interesting a, um, that it's the, the right loudness. It has enough, um, of that, like, you know, second harmonic that you can hear on like earbuds and stuff like that. Um, and then once the kick snare and sub are dialed and at the right levels, then I'll bring in the main element. Just like you were saying, levitate, there should be like one big element. And, and, and that one big element could be like a combination of three bass sounds. It's like the main thing. But um, that next like main element is what I bring in. And then the hierarchy that I've already set with the kick, snare, and sub, that main element shouldn't be like way overpowering those it should feel like it like it sits well with those three things and then once you have those four your kick snare sub and your main element that's playing everything else is just a hierarchy down from there in importance right then all you do is determine what's the next most important thing turn that on see like in your relative mix that you've been kind of doing as you go like where where is it at does it does it step on the toes of that more important like biggest element if it does then you need to turn it down um and then if you if you turn it down and you find that it's you know not not sitting quite right or you turn it up and it's like too much then break out the eq to kind of get it to to sit and play nicely with each other but first just use the blunt object of volume to get it a like as good as you can and then break out the eq to dial it in a little further and you just move from there but what's the third most important thing make sure it's not stepping on the toes of the first and second most important elements um but that's in context to the kick snare sub are just the unchanging the first most important element is the main thing and then you just hierarchy down from there right and you just go until you have no more elements and you just make sure that the the next most important element that you're deeming, you know, in, in that hierarchy doesn't overstep it the the yeah. remaining space that you have, right? And then once and you're out of elements, you're you're done. 
way down there at the bottom, just because me in the past and so many people's mixes I hear do this, way down at the very bottom of that list are your little like downlifters and white noise risers and shit. Those are supposed to be, trust me, way in the background 99.9% .9 of the time. If any of those are louder than anything in the mix, it's not necessarily the right move. If it if it overshadows any melody or bass or drum, your your white noise riser is probably 30 decibels too loud. Yeah, for real. 30 <laughs> decibels. I find that's like 20 to 30 dB is usually like that sweet spot where people just overdo it by that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's but, like, oh, it's I put it in there. I got to be able to hear it. Let me turn it up. It's like, that's just kind of a subtle psychoacoustic element that just kind of tickles your ear and lets you know, hey, a transition is about to come. Be prepared. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of that, helping smooth out the transition that just happens. Right. It's like that's, when you're talking to somebody and you see their feet like slightly tilt towards the door you could there it's like the subconscious kind of subliminal <laughs> hints that you're getting they're not yeah. going to in the middle of a conversation you're like by the way i'm leaving and then the conversation, <laughs> which uh, is the equivalent of what you're doing when you put your riser to the absolute forefront that's it becomes a very such like, a good metaphor <laughs> it's way better to irish that. it's way better to irish exit say nothing yes, and exactly. leave than to yell in the middle of the party, I'm going home! <laughs> Man, one That's thing I cool. think about uh, <laughs> as well, too, is like in social situations when something happens, right? Tell me what's cooler. I'm walking to the bathroom and I slip and fall and I get up and I start looking around like, shit, who saw that? I'm being judged, whatever. Or you slip and fall and you do a front flip and you just stick the landing, right? Now there's two options from here. You look around and you're like, yo, that was fucking sick, right? And then you kind of look like a tool or you just smooth walk away like nothing happened and everybody's like, holy shit, what? That was the smoothest thing I've ever seen. That, to me, I also pull that equivalent with music because if you're so hyped, about this riser that you're putting at 30 dB too loud, it tells me that you're not seasoned enough of a producer and you haven't fucked up enough tracks with 30 dB too loud risers to, to get over that and, and not feel like it's such a cool thing. I feel like the better you get as a producer, the more secondary you can make more complex shit meaning you don't get too attached to that ARP that you did or that riser that you made or whatever, and you have no problem sticking it in the background. Yeah, and um, Or yeah. sometimes turning them off, realizing you get down to the bottom of that list of important elements and you unmute something and you go, this section just got worse, mm -hmm. observably worse. Before I mixed it, it felt like I needed this to fill space, but now that all the more important elements are already here, and better mixed, better leveled, better EQ'd. I don't think I need this little ARP in the background. At least not in this section. Leave it muted. Totally. But, um, you know, to summarize all that, uh, I'm sure you guys have heard Dylan talk about, you know, music's supposed to be cool. If it's not cool, then don't write it. And, you know, with the <laughs> same regard, it's like, if 
you know, you're doing all of these moves because you're so hyped as a newbie producer about this riser that you sound designed or this ARP that you went in and made or this lead patch that you make. And that starts to skew your production choices. You need to really reevaluate. And, you know, it's weird because it takes time to come to that realization that like, Nobody gives a shit about this riser. I'm like trying to be too flashy with it. But if you can just get yourself in that mindset and realize like, you know, I'm going to struggle fuck through 100 tracks before I realize this. Or I can literally just realize that it's a bias that every producer tries to push certain elements to the forefront that don't need to be there. You can save yourself a year worth of headache starting today if you just move that shit back like 25 db yeah don't be afraid to make shit quiet tesco you gave me a great uh a great metaphor uh probably on this podcast last year sometime where you talked about a piece of elastic yeah so yeah um so as far as my process i'm basically echoing everything you guys said about hierarchy and and making sure that the order persists down the hierarchy. So element seven does not exceed six, which does not exceed five, four, three, right? So on. Um, now, the thing is, the more tracks you finish, the more insight you'll have into how you're going to go about approaching this mix, how you're going to go about approaching the master, and so on. And, and with that, you know, if you know that you're doing music that's going to be very compressed, you may want to pull apart your hierarchy a little more so that you have more room to compress it afterwards. So I use the elastic analogy where you should think of your hierarchy kind of existing on a stretched elastic. And if you were to draw all of your points where all of your levels hit, when you master your song, it's like the elastic closing in on itself and coming together. And so if you draw the points close enough when the elastic is stretched out, they're basically going to be touching when the elastic is pulled in. And it's not going to be clear maybe that these are two separate points. So, you know, something to keep in mind is if you know that, oh, this sound falls apart when I need to compress it heavy or I need to distort it heavy, for example, maybe roll off some highs before you extort, before you distort, right? Maybe a little extra because you know you're going to, uh, distort harder. So have that foresight. If anytime you're making these drastic moves and ask yourself what you can do prior in the chain to allow you to make those like more extreme moves sometimes. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I really love that analogy. It's, it's quite uh, succinct in describing the more compressed your master is, the louder you're trying to make your song, the more difference you actually need before you heavily compress and limit to make everything in the same spot that you thought it would be before you mastered it, right? I, re I really like that. Um, two things that kind of were sparked from what you guys just talked about. Um, the first, when you get down to like that 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, and below most important elements a lot of those are better felt than heard um and that's that's something that took me a, it's almost one of those producer ego things when you're like <laughs> i took time making this arp like 
I want people to hear how cool the note, you know, the notes that it plays. It's like, I took a lot of time. Like, this is sick. Like, I want everyone to hear it. Like, nah, eh, it's probably like, if it's not that important, cool. yeah, don't, don't make it that loud. And the thing is, those notes that you spent a lot of time on that make it cool are still going to be felt are still going to be part of the enjoyment of the song. They, they just don't need to be that loud. Right? So if you, if you turn it off and on and you know, you don't really like hear it, like, like really like pick it out, hear it. But like the, the, like the vibe of the song is like made better or you just generally like it fills out the space a little better but you can't really like there's not a noticeable difference like that might be the perfect spot for it you know and you can't don't be afraid to make something quiet enough that you can't pick it out but that you like the song better because of it right that yeah. took me a long time to figure out um and the next thing is what, what you were talking about luke where like sometimes that element you turn it you turn it on you're like wow this section got worse like you don't you don't need that in there like a lot of times when you're mixing an element and you're like this fourth most important element maybe it had maybe it's like a pluck in the background and you really like the the notes that it plays or whatever and you had a delay on that pluck and you're like you know i'm actually going to turn the delay up on this pluck because it's it's it it hits the right notes it's it's the ambience that i want to carry through and then you realize once you turn the delay up on that pluck maybe you do a parallel process delay that's side chained to the dry signal maybe even side chained to the vocal or the lead or whatever and and you realize that that more important element with some added delay creates this ambience in the background that is a more succinct version of what you want to fill that space you don't need that additional arp or ambience layer or whatever you put in the background to kind of help bridge that gap like you realize like that most important element more creatively processed fills that space more efficiently and makes a more succinct mix that is that is a huge thing when you're when you're when you're real when you are listening to your song and you're like this section needs more background ambience you shouldn't be reaching for your sample pack instantly or your you know to add more stuff you should be like okay how do i take what i already have and and weave that into the space that needs to be filled that was a huge breakthrough for me like when you when you need to add something don't just grab something else see how you can take what you already have that is a main concept of the song and bridge that into those little bits you know you know reverse and glitch out like your main lead for that one little section that you needed a glitch thing rather than just going on splice and searching glitch effects and that it's going to it's going to really add to the cohesiveness of the story that you're telling yeah. um yeah it's like Remember that time that Jimi Hendrix put down his guitar and, and played the marimbas instead? No, because it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped uh... on a guitar pedal and changed the tone for that other section. You know, he 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 changed his strumming pattern. He, you know, went from playing chords to playing single notes. He moved up the neck. He did 
all these amazing things with the same damn guitar and the same amp. Making a whole song's worth of cool sounds with just a drummer and bassist backing him up. Yeah. An absolutely. entire catalog of amazing, very different music made with the guitar being the main thing. Uh, in dude, another ways. perfect example of that is Rage Against the Machine. There are so many effects and like background, like scratches and stuff that are just like really well thought out noodling and weird like pick scraping on the guitar and the pickups and stuff just like weird stuff but it's all it all comes from the same instrument it comes from the same starting place so then it, it feels like different but also cohesive and it's really hard to achieve that if you're trying to pull from a bunch of different places big ups to tom morello yes yeah for sure yeah not only tones but those articulations, like you said, like the pitch pick scratches and stuff like that. You know, sometimes you'll have a saturator on and hitting it at just the right amount of input will give you like a, a, a very unique, distinct kind of sound where those harmonics just build up in a certain way, for example. Or maybe on that phaser, right? You throw up the feedback and you put it at a certain uh, percentage or whatever, and it gives you a cool effect. There's always ways, even within the patch, to find different articulations and stuff, which I always suggest. Um, and, and two things that might help people think about um, how to articulate. So in the context of I have this tone, how do I articulate this idea further? Um, I mean, I guess you could tie tone into this concept because uh, it, it comes down to making the idea more expressive overall. And, and if it goes on for multiple sections, definitely change tones, but within a section. So one thing, um, I always think of my parts as being played by somebody. Um, and I think of if there were some weird alien creature that can play this weird synth noise on whatever instrument that would look like. How would they articulate? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> and... Um, I think about like, what would those articulations look like? Um, and then I was talking to Unk a while, while back, and he was talking about how he thinks of, in the context of, of drop-based music, he thinks of his drop elements as being like, uh, like Mortal Kombat characters or something, or he thinks of like two characters being in battle, right? And, 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 they might have like an uppercut move. They might have like a leg sweep move. They might have a, a, a roar or whatever the hell. And now it's like, how do I take those, those attributes of what a leg sweep would be, what an uppercut would be, blah, 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 and put that somehow into audio terms? So how do I give this some kind of sweeping action? How do I give it some sort of upward movement and so on? What about a roar? A roar would echo out. It would it would fill up some kind of space. It would uh, you know give you some sense of grandeur, vastness, whatever. So if that helps you, you know I find having these like abstract parallels uh, to kind of give you inspiration on what tools to pick to be very beneficial. Um, but on that note, so to tie it back to what should people know, regardless of what genre they're producing, uh, is good storytelling practices good songwriting practices and, and what i mean by that is 
like you said, Evan, finding ways to uh, further articulate these elements so that you don't need ambient rain way in the background. You can have a slight touch of reverb on your main lead element and it fulfills that same purpose of creating contrast and depth. Um, I, I really like that because it takes what the main idea of the song is and it moves it forward. And when it comes to that idea of hierarchy and that elastic idea, like I said, I think of my hierarchy as having three areas to it. And then between those three areas, I also try to leave some sort of room for padding. So let's say in the three areas, I call them main characters, secondary characters, background characters. I always pull from a movie analogy here. And uh, for that first part of the hierarchy, the main characters, I go by the Max Martin rule of three. If you don't know Max Martin, he's produced hundreds and hundreds of Billboard chart toppers for all the artists you either love or absolutely hate. Uh, and um, the man's super successful at what he does. And he talks about how people can only really focus on three things at any given time. So it can change from section to section. Maybe it's vocals, synths, bass in the beginning, and it's drums, synths, sub bass in the drop or whatever. But in any given section, your main character is comprised of three elements. And then let's say that exists between 0 dB to 8. I might start the secondary characters at minus 15, let's say. Now, I hate to give numbers. Take those numbers right out of your head and chuck them away because that's not the point. The idea is I'm leaving 8 or so dB of padding because I don't want the listener to get fucked up listening to my mix after I compress it heavily. They need to know where front and center of the stage is. So um, I think of main characters, right? Let's say we're watching Spider-Man. That's Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. Secondary characters is going to be Uncle Ben, the photographer dude, Mary Jane, right? What's what's uh, Uncle Ben's origin story? Who's, who's uh, Mary Jane's grandmother? What was her childhood like? Nobody gives a flying poop, right? Because you only know as much of those characters as you need to know for them to move Peter Parker along, for them to give you insight into who Peter Parker is. And then you have the uh, background characters, which is uh, like if we're filming a scene in New York City, that's all the people going to and from the subway. We don't really care where they're headed to or what they're doing or what their life story is or anything. We just they're, need They're part of the ambiance. Exactly. And like those really quiet there, white noise risers. Exactly. Which, when they're there, it just feels right and you don't notice it per se. But when they're gone, when you see an empty New York City, you're like, what? What's yeah, that better on? be a part of the fucking off. plot. <laughs> exactly. There better be a reason New York is completely deserted in the middle of the afternoon, or else Spider-Man, you know, so you got to figure this out, Peter. Something, something went down. Is your yeah, Spidey sense singling? Wrong. We're watching I Am Legend. Peter, <laughs> yeah, um, right. what are you doing? But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's unintentional silence that gives you that 2D kind of cheap amateur effect. If you can intentionally use absolute silence to your favor, then that's awesome. But um, yeah, that, that main idea of 
of moving your main character forward and never, never, never letting a song section go to waste. Um, this is another thing when it comes to good songwriting practices. I don't want to hear your intro if all you did was add a riser and a clap because that's what bass music does. I don't want to hear that shit. It's a waste of my time. I want to hear the main character, which is should be located in the drop. I want to hear that expressed in some sort of uh, diminished way. Diminished in the sense of I want to hear this idea smaller. I want to see if you have Spider-Man in the drop. I want to see Peter Parker in the intro. Don't just show me empty Uncle Ben's house and then half an hour later we're at Spider-Man. Who the fuck is Uncle Ben? It's Spider-Man's uncle. uncle. What? I don't even remember who Uncle Ben is. I mean, I guess that's the point here. Well, yo, it's the reason he went from being a wrestler just trying to get money off being Spider-Man to being Spider-Man and going to save people is because... a wrestler? Yeah, man, boy, how do you right, didn't I don't watch any of this? Okay, well, I yeah, no, this is the origin story, man. Right. He got raised by Aunt May and Uncle Ben, and they were good folks. They taught him to do right, but he was like, "Oh man, it ain't my job to stop some criminal that stole some money from these wrestling dudes. I don't care. Let that guy go. I could have stopped him, but I didn't." That guy later on robs and kills Uncle Ben, and that's when Spider Man oh, realized, man. "Man, I gotta do better. I gotta help people." Because why? Because with great power comes great responsibility. Man, I got to get bit exactly. by a spider or some shit. <laughs> like, I got to become a man. <laughs> but I need a spider to help me. No, nah, that, that was terrible. Uh, well, what, <laughs> what, you, what you said actually did ring some bells. I, I'm just completely taking us off the rails here. That's um, all but, I mean, rails I know all of are you suggestions. Guys get it. <laughs> exactly. Of where I know all of might you guys go. get it. And I feel like we probably <laughs> all do very similar things, but like it, it takes a while to realize that idea of I don't need to just sp fill space in my intro or I don't need to just chuck this element in really quiet to fill some space. If there's a way of going about that, that stems from the main character that adds more depth to the main character that shows me a different dimension of that character. Um, and I like the reverb example again because it's it's going into that 3D part of the mix that yeah. everybody has trouble with. Yeah, absolutely. Reverb is one of those background characters almost all of the time. Like every once in a while, maybe some crazy creative use of a reverb but automation then, that makes then, it part of the main character, but it's still like the context that your song is living in. Right. But even then, when it is a main character, it's still sidechained to the dry signal. You feel me? Like if it's on a lead or something, the reverb still never plays at the same time that the dry signal plays. Yeah. At least at full force. You gotta you got you gotta kill off Uncle Ben to give Spider-Man a reason to be aggro in the drop. Yeah, exactly. See, you gotta create that that context. There's an oh, Uncle oh, Ben oh. there that you stop and then you get rid of it and then you have the drop without exactly. that without exactly. that background. You're not gonna have sound. Uncle Ben and angry Spider Man in the drop. Yeah, um, no way to do it. <laughs> that's a very see good if you point can write too. a song with that information. <laughs> There's not as much character development in the secondary characters as there is the main characters. We don't need to see the story of Uncle Ben's transformation. There's literally Uncle Ben when he's alive and Uncle Ben when he's dead. Like that is things. that is the 
farthest this transformation goes. Right. And then there's Mary Jane in peril and Mary Jane happy-go-lucky, everything's going great. But what do you see in Peter Parker? You see him getting bullied. You see him sad. You see him up at the top. You see him discovering his powers. You see him frustrated. You see him defeated. You see him through all sorts of different stages. So same with your drop ideas. Don't just show me that shit up front in the mix at full blast in two sections of your song if that's the main character and then fill your intro with all the stuff that doesn't matter. Take it. If you have five different intensities throughout your song, your main character should have five, maybe four intensities throughout it. It should be in every section at a different level of intensity. Yeah, you know, it could be something as subtle as like taking that sound that's gonna play in the lead and like taking it like, okay, this sound, I'll take that same riff, I'm gonna like turn it way down, I'm gonna crank the reverb and I'm gonna filter it way out and like put an auto pan on it. So it's just kind of dancing subtly in the background behind everything. And you'd make it a little louder as the as the drop comes. Like, I, I think I hear something. It's about to be, what? Boom, oh, there it is. That foreshadowing, that's, that's good, mm. you know, to put it on a movie, <laughs> on a movie level again. Yeah, yeah, or good foreplay that shit. Foreplay. Don't go mm. in dry, you feel me? No. Nope. <laughs> Makes it fun that's just, for nobody. That's good advice for every, every yeah. part of life. Yeah, don't go in dry. Add some reverb to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yo, um, before, we, before we roll all the way out of this whole thing, um, I wanted to circle back around to like EQ because we, we, we pointed at it, but we didn't really go into it. And there was something like I really wanted to say, you know, whatever, 30 minutes ago. Um, so we're talking about bringing the levels in. And then if, you know, if the leveling by itself doesn't get it sitting right, then move to EQ. And so that's, I just wanted to hone in on that a little bit more. Like, so I'll, I'll take a sound, super quiet, unmute it, turn it up, turn it up, find where it hits my ear is, okay, that's, that's enough. And then ask, why and how is it enough? Is it one frequency that's hurting my ear that's enough? Is it like just the harshness in the pain zone of those high mids where I go, I cannot turn this vocal any louder because if I did, it'll make me bleed out of my headphones. If that's the case, you find that frequency. Make a little EQ bell, turn it up. I I've uh, heard a good rule of thumb, like don't turn it past like 10 decibels up because if you're going 20 decibels up, everything's going to sound like it's the wrong frequency and you should turn them all down and then you get a lifeless sound. But just turn it up like 10 decibels and you know, if you don't hear much of a change, there's probably not much of that frequency in there anyways. Don't worry about it. If you turn a frequency up and it's like, wow, that sounds great. Well, you definitely don't need to turn that one down. That one sounds great already. That's one of your more important sounds. Remember that. You find another one, you're like, oh, that one, when I turn it up 10 decibels, that messes up my sound. I'm going to turn that one down. And then basically use that EQ node like a leveling fader. What if I turn this down way far, like past where it's going to go? How does that mess the sound up? Okay, I found the point of diminishing returns on this EQ move. So I know somewhere between here and zero is my sweet spot. So move it back up towards zero, move it back down towards where you break the sound and find that sweet spot where the sound feels more balanced and like it sits 
and the mix and plays with your other elements better. And now you've technically made the entire sound quieter, especially that one frequency that was stopping you from turning the whole sound up. Now ask yourself, did that move make my sound sit just right in the mix? Or is it well balanced, but too quiet now? In which case you would turn it up a little more until you find a different frequency that hits your ear. And then ask like, is that, is it hitting like that awesome frequency that's perfect and that's the one I'm picking out when I hear it? Or is it another frequency I don't like? In which case you just repeat that process. Identify the frequency, turn it down, find the sweet spot, and then you can turn the whole sound up again. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to do this on every single element. If you picked really good sounds, you might not have to touch them with an EQ. But most of the time, most elements will get rebalanced with an EQ in my experience. Yeah, I, to I totally I couldn't agree more. That's a fantastic approach to how to think about that. Um, to round us out here, I want to I want to back up a little bit further on the macro level. Um, we talked about and like the most fundamental engineering do's and don'ts. We've talked about how to make a cohesive plot to your story, Peter Parker to Spider-Man. Um, my personal answer to the original question, what is, you know, the most fundamental or a, one of the most fundamental things that translates all genres? Uh, and I'm going to preface this by saying I make hyper-Christian alt metal black fungus death rock step yeah um <laughs> very succinct <laughs> very succinct wrap up, yeah yeah i think that one's um, gonna be the next one that goes for sure just based on the name <laughs> um you gotta focus on the songwriting first even in hyper question fill in the blank um you, you learn how to write a good song before you focus on literally anything else and it sounds like a hot take but it's not because that is the one thing that will save you from mistakes in every other aspect of writing music if you can write a compelling song like we're talking chords melody and rhythm those three things like i guess I, so it'd be harmony melody and rhythm if you can if you can master those three things an okay mix is 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 passable because the song translates so so much emotion if the groove is so infectious if the melody is just average but it just makes you want to dance like so bad like it's gonna work and so one of the things that i you know didn't quite realize at the start is like okay so my songwriting is beginner level but if i could just get my song to sound like the pros this beginner level songwriting would be sick right like well eh, not really i mean like just because you do hear songs that like you think to yourself like well that songwriting is like kind of unimaginative that are a pro level of quality that are you know doing okay for themselves doesn't mean that that's actually a viable product right so like if just because that person is doing that maybe they're an established name and they made an okay song that's a little lackluster but is of pro quality that's passable or that person has a gigantic marketing budget or a giant team to help push that 
passable, right? Okay. But for pretty much everyone else and what you should focus on is learning how to write compelling music, whatever genre it is. And then that is the thing that is going to propel the rest of everything else that you learn to being worthwhile. Amen. Amen. You know, Amen. Just, just like, you know, when you're mastering, your master can only be as good as your mix. Like you can make a good mix a little bit better, but you can't make a bad mix and do a good mix of mastering. You cannot make a poorly written and executed songwriting process into a good mix. And, you know, starting at those fundamental elements and, and focusing on those pieces first, like, is this a good line? Is this a good riff? Is this a good patch? Like, and even if you get all the way to the end of your process and you've mixed and mastered the tune, there's a lot of times where you got to go back and replay shit. Like, I just got a note from Ill Gates today being like, you know, basically take that element, that the one last element that still has an issue, save the pro save as the project, delete all of the processing you put on that and figure out a new pro a new what's the shortest amount of steps to get to this sounding good because somewhere along the way I did too much in my various versions and this one vocal sample just does not sound that good. And so now I've just got to okay, cool. Everything else is working. I've got a song. The label likes the song. They want to release the song. I just got to go redo all of the processing on one element. And that's okay. You can go back and replace, you know, maybe it's the kick. Maybe you just picked a bad kick sample. And, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about earlier, like being okay to like turn off a sound if it's not working or if it, you don't need it anymore. Like not being precious with these things just because you spent time on them already. Like it's all got to serve the song. You know, if this element is not helping the songwriting convey the emotion, forget that element. If the element is absolutely necessary, but it's not executed that well, maybe you need to re-record it or pick a new patch or a new sample to, to replace and do some experimentation there. But, you know, a lot of what we said today was about like not being precious with, you know, with the elements of the song, because yeah, I think what it was a cryptochronica that said it like a year ago when we interviewed him. He's like, he likes calling it killing babies. You know, if we've heard it called killing puppies, but you know, he likes to call it, we've got to kill the little babies in service of the great baby that is the overall song. All it, hail the great baby. All hail the great <laughs> baby. <laughs> there, I mean, yeah, like you, you gotta, you gotta make it like that level of ridiculousness to be okay with killing that thing that you love so much in that song that you spent so much time on like you have to understand it's gonna feel really important i actually just just went through this like there there was some a section and a sound that i loved so much that i spent days trying to figure out how to make it work in this song and ultimately it was one of my favorite sounds and moments that just didn't work in the song. <laughs> and it was 
fucking gut wrenching to finally just delete that. But I did, and the song is better for it, and it hurt. But that all hail the great baby. Uh, thank I'm you. All, all hail. Yes. It's hard it's, to do. Yeah. We understand. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kill some babies if you're gonna, if you're gonna have great babies. Especially that, or just call it an artistic choice so nobody can say shit. <laughs> oh, your mix is bad, nah, dude. Artistic choice. <laughs> I artistically chose to not learn how to engineer my music before I put it out. <laughs> dude, you wouldn't get it. It's part of my genius, part of my creative expression. <laughs> Fifteen years, everybody's songs are gonna sound this bad. Well, all yeah. right, humans. On that note, kill your Ooh. babies and babies. Uh, and, and you know, great baby. And focus on songwriting, leveling, and EQ. Like and you know, great baby. And hailing great babies. Yeah. If uh, inhale great babies, they might. You know, if they're big and great, they might get stuck in your windpipe though. So have a buddy around to like pat you on the back. You know, perform the Heimlich. Woo. And uh, peace out. Woo. And, and make peace sure among you worlds. follow our uh, Christian heavy toe fungus Spotify playlist. It's grimy and sludgy. I mean, uh, Christian toe fung caviar. Uh, hyper, hyper. <laughs> hyper, hyper fungus. Oh, uh, man. Woo. See you guys. Woo. All right, humans, thank you so much for being here another week. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit the, uh, depending on where you are, the like button. Make Leave a comment, you know, leave a rating and review on iTunes. All that stuff really, really does help us reach more cool producers just like you and grow the community. So thank you for doing that. Uh, make sure to support our sponsors. All those links are down below. Dojo TV, where you can get free producer live stream classes from the producer Dojo Senseis. The weekly download, where for just 20 bucks a month, you not only get weekly classes from Ill Gates himself, but you also get instant access to over 230 more lessons in the archive. And guest practices, where you can get your first class for free from Seth Drake, the best engineer we know, and it will introduce you to all the amazing engineering knowledge over at the Approach Institute. Again, the song behind me right now is Tesco, Something Wrong, off his Something Wrong EP. So we got links down below for you to go spin that song as well. Check it out. All right, y'all. Hope you're having a great week. See you next week when we're back with another episode. This time it's going to be about sound design. Do you need to know how to do it? Find out next week. All right, y'all. Peace and peace among worlds. I like it. <laughs>